Welcome into another Daily Wager Extra podcast. We are taping this week 15, Sunday night, December 19th. I'm Doug Kazarian alongside Mackenzie Kramer. And uh, we have four more games still left on this week. Obviously, adjusted schedule. So, Mackenzie going to join me momentarily. But just a reminder, we tape this Sunday nights or Monday mornings, depending on the schedule. And then we have a longer version with an odds maker, John Murray, on Thursdays. Of course, Christmas week, we'll tweak some things. But... Uh, the 10-minute ten, the ten uh, Daily Wager podcast, Monday through Friday, is still an abbreviated version of everything. So uh, best of luck to everyone, but let's get to it. With Mackenzie, and how are you doing, Mac? I'm doing great, Doug. It was one of my best gambling weeks of the year, so at least I have that going for me, even though I'm pretty worried about my Tom Brady's uh, MVP futures going forward. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So I wonder if Rogers is going to re- get reposted as the favorite after so, uh, tonight's shutout. So actually, they have reposted it. I was actually following it during the game. So entering the week, Brady was the minus 180 favorite. He was still minus 180 entering Sunday night. Aaron Rodgers moved from 6-1 to one to 4-1 to one after his game, after they beat the Ravens. In the second half, Brady moved to minus 150, and now he's minus 110. So Brady's still the odds-on favorite to be the MVP, but... It's a lot closer now. Rogers is the second favorite at plus 225. Mahomes was number three at 10 to one. And Jonathan Taylor, now fourth in the MVP race at 15 to one. He was 30 to one entering the week until he, he blew up against the Patriots on Saturday. So obviously a big setback for Brady's MVP campaign and Tampa's pursuit of the one seed. I mean, look, everyone thought they'd cakewalk with the four remaining games against teams losing records after last week's win over the Bills. But Obviously, that's why you play the games. Look at Detroit and in, in, in Arizona today. But take a step back. The chalk did not hold serve. Mackenzie, we talked about it last week. What did you say? 9-0 and ATS last week. Any favorite of 3.5 or higher. 17-2 and ATS the previous two weeks. But finally, we saw some dogs barking with even with outright, outright wins. Yeah, if you look at the overall spreads, home teams, favorites, there really wasn't anything that stood out entirely. In fact, home teams, 6-6 six and six ATS, 6-6 six and six straight up. Favorites six and six against the spread. So either way you want to look at it, it's pretty a 500 week there. So no overarching trends there. Unders did go seven and five this week, continue a trend of unders hitting most of the year other than last week. So, uh, but yeah, we obviously had the two double digit underdogs winning in uh, New Orleans and Detroit. It's the second time that's happened this year. Also happened in week nine. Uh, it's the third time in the last 40 years. We've had two dogs, this big win in the last, uh, last in, in that time. Uh it's the second straight season happened in week 15, actually. Last year, the Jets did it against the Rams. The Bengals beat the Steelers. So we did have a couple of the big dogs barking, but overall, it's a pretty uh, pretty even day. You know, obviously, the books are happier after last week, especially the bloodbath, the second-half comeback by the Packers against, I mean, just everyone loading up, and they covered the double digits. Nagy kicked that field goal. So a lot, um, you know, just the balance, just the kind of how it pans out. You get the upset of like a dog of like seven, things like that. Some don't teasers didn't cover. I bet you a lot of pushes on some teasers with the Packers, those kind of games. Uh, I was on the Jets as my best bet. Um, so things like that. So the books are going to be fine, obviously, after last week. But the public took a little bit of a beating. I bet you the public was on the, the Bucks, although double digit favorites, not typically what they're on, but. I would imagine Brady and company, that was where the backing was. So let's let's start with that. Let's put this Brady-Bucks loss outright into perspective from a betting uh, perspective here. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not even the biggest upset this week, obviously, with Detroit, but a couple of trends on this game. Saints are now 12-6 and six outright as underdogs over the last four years. They had lost four straight entering Sunday, so 
this was a little bit of a bounce back spot for them. The Saints have always been really good as a dog since Sean Payton arrived. Obviously, Sean Payton didn't coach in this game. It was actually the, it would have been the biggest uh, underdog spot they've had under Sean Payton, though. Again, he didn't coach in this game. The last time they were this big of a dog was back in 2005, the year before they hired Payton. That was the longest active streak in the NFL without being a double digit underdog. So a couple of things with Tampa Bay also. Bucks, the first double-digit favorite to get shut out since 1994. So that's been a while for that. And one of your favorite trends, too, Tom Brady in primetime, <laughs> one in 10 against the spread in his last 11 starts, five and six outright, and he's been a favorite in every single one of those. So Brady in primetime, and I do like to talk about his sleep schedule getting disrupted. So Morty uh, Seinfeld theory, that's the one we uh, started on the podcast. So, yeah, that's, that's the theory we busted out on the pod. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite trends that you have. Uh, a couple other quick things in that in that game. The under is now six and one in Taysom Hill starts, which you know kind of makes sense the way he likes to play quarterback. Uh, the Bucks have covered four in a row. They had been five and one against the spread as a double digit favorite this year. And like you mentioned earlier, they'll probably be double digit favorites again the next three weeks. Two games against Carolina, one game against the Jets. Uh, you, you like you like to think that that would help his MVP case. So Carolina's pass defense isn't bad. The Jets don't play defense anywhere, so he should be able to rack up numbers there. And according to FBI, the Saints' playoff chances increased from 26% to 51%. So huge game for New Orleans as uh, they're now in they're now in the playoffs if the season were to end right now, though a few of the teams are a half game back of them that'll play over the next two days. Now it's a giant mess with that extra wild card that was added a year ago. So it certainly makes things interesting. And teams that are like seven and six and all that are now much more in the playoff picture. So let's go to that Lions game. Cardinals, wow. Uh, I was not expecting that. I, I had the Lions to cover, but that was significant and a really big blow to coach of the year candidacy for Kingsbury. But really, the Cardinals were in prime position to have a high seed, and that did not go well in Detroit. When you mentioned coach of the year, I, I think all of the major award yeah. races kind of got blown up this week. The MVP with Tom Brady, coach of the year with Kingsbury losing, with Belichick losing, with uh, Vrabel losing. Like a lot, lot of big favorites lost this week in coach, the coach of the year race. But uh, as for this game, it's the second largest upset this season, only behind the Bills Jaguars game earlier in the year. Bills Jaguars, by the way, was the only game until this week where no team scored a touchdown until the Saints Bucks joined them this week. Um, first time the Cardinals lose on the road all year. Also the first time they don't cover on the road all year lions now nine and five against the spread this year, eight and two against the spread when getting at least four points. So every time the lions get a big number, they tend to cover though. What some bad news uh, in the wind though, the lions fall out of the number one pick in the draft that now falls to Jacksonville, but either way, big, big day for uh, Detroit sports with the lions and pistons winning. You could have gotten that money line parlay at uh, about 19 to one odds. First time they went on the same day since 2017. And I saw this on Twitter. I wish I can give credit, but I forgot the person's name. But first time they've both won by double digits on the same day since 1973. So mm. great day for Detroit sports. So even all those years of uh, Barry Sanders and the and the moat and the bad boys never never quite got those stars aligned. Interesting stuff. I I say this all the time. Goff is good for like two games a year where he just looks lights out. And I think that today was he was pretty smooth and pretty on target with a lot of his throws. Now it helped to play in a dome and he's bad, you know, cold weather quarterback. But uh, you just got to kind of throw those games out. But the Lions play hard. They've been a nice bet on team for sure. And it doesn't get uh, any another... for Arizona either. Arizona places the Colts next week. That oh, line's only one and a half in favor of Arizona at home. So if you give, you know, one and a half points for home field, that's basically a pretty even matchup according to the odds makers next week. 
Yeah, Coulter's chic pick. I was talking about him for a couple months. We've talked about it on this podcast, but he's in 30 to 1, 20 to 1, just to win the AFC. Uh, obviously, the win over or New England certainly bolstered their chances of getting to the playoffs and then perhaps positioning themselves to make a run. Let's go to some other double digits. Let's go through the double digit games, then we'll get to some of the closer expected games, at least one of those point spreads. Bills hang on against the Panthers. The old fourth down play action touchdown instead of kicking a field goal in the red zone. So the Bills win by 17. Cam Newton is terrible, uh, continues to be terrible, but 14-point line. That line got steamed up, and it took the play action and, and, and touchdown pass by Josh Allen. Yeah, I almost wrote up the Bills laying 10. I, I couldn't decide what to do with the Bills in that game uh, early in the week when I had to, when we had to submit our picks. I like the Bills laying 10.5. I like the Panthers team total under. Couldn't quite decide on which one to pick, so I just ended up uh, laying off a bit, but uh, I did bet on both of those, so I was pretty happy about that. Fading Cam Newton has just been, you know, pretty money this year. 0-4 against the spread this year with Cam Newton starting. Uh, Bills, fourth time this year they've been at least a two-touchdown favorite most in the NFL this year. So, nice win for Buffalo uh, to get back to 8-6. and six. That's pretty incredible, being a 14-point favorite four times in one season. And they still face the Jets again. Where does that rank all time? Do we know? Uh, I did not uh, prepare that, but that I will prepare that going forward because looking at their schedule, they have a home game against Atlanta and they have a home game against the Jets. So uh, those will both be double the 14 point favorites, assuming the Bills have something to play for, which they probably will. Virtually simultaneously to that play action touchdown pass by Allen, Jake Fromm and the Giants were in the red zone threatening that double digit spread. And then they ran out of downs. The defense uh, Cowboys kind of turned up the notch on the blitzing. And uh, they hang on 21-6. The Giants are bad, um, offensively particularly. Mike Glennon gets the start. Uh, Jake Fromm, like I mentioned, was in relief in garbage time. But I'm surprised. We talked about it a week. I'm surprised Joe Judge is still there. I guess midseason coaching changes never advised. But, um, look, I mean, this was like kind of what you expected. It came down to a backdoor potential. Yeah, I, 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 you, it's hard to really have any faith in the Giants right now with that offense. They actually are relatively healthy if you look at their skill position players. Obviously, Daniel Jones is a is out, but uh, yeah, this Giants team is just really rough right now. Mike Lennon, one in fifteen outright in his last sixteen starts. It was the first time the Cowboys were double digit road favorites against the Giants since nineteen eighty. Just to help show how far down this Giants franchise has come, and the Cowboys are now eleven and three against the spread this year, which is. Tied for the Packers for the best record in the NFL after Green Bay uh, lost ATS today. Dallas is nine and zero ATS in conference games, eight and one against teams with losing records, seven and one on the road, and four and zero ATS as a road favorite. So Cowboys have gotten it done all sorts of ways this year. Kyle Shanahan usually not solid in the fav- home favorite role, but does get the cover. I, I say double digit spreads, but it was close nine nine and a half. Niners pull away against the Falcons. Matt Ryan, I believe the Falcons had. Five trips in the red zone and came away with thirteen points. Yeah, you got to feel pretty Not bad great, for anybody. Got to feel pretty bad who took the over. Anyone, anybody who took the over in that game because that uh, that one really should have gone over. But uh, you're yeah, to your point though. Kyle Shanahan second straight win and cover as a home favorite, but before that he had gotten 0-9 outright in his previous nine games. 0-11 ATS. He's got a really bad record as a home favorite though. Maybe that's starting to turn. He'd also been bad as a uh, big favorite. He had been 0-4-1 ATS as a favorite of at least nine points. So this is the biggest spread he's covered in his career. Falcons continue to struggle against good teams. They're 0-5 against the spread and straight up against teams with the running records. This Falcons team 
on paper, you think it's pretty easy to predict when they face teams that are anywhere near their level, they can compete, but whenever they have to step up in competition, they get steamrolled like they did today. So prior to this run of two, the Falcons, Shanahan, in nine straight games as a home favorite, he had lost outright. Every single one, yep. Remarkable. Remarkable. Okay. Uh, does that cover the double-digit or big favorite portion of the broadcast? Oh, no, I guess the Packers steamed up that high as well. It was 7 in the morning of the show. And it this at 6 a.m. when we taped the show. It was 9, nine a kickoff, I believe. What a game. We, 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 we knew Tyron Huntley. We talked about it in the show saying he's going to be good. I laid this. I, I was an advocate of laying the seven. And very different. We talk about it all the time. Very different when a quarterback enters mid-game versus has a full week of practice to prepare. And that was the difference between Huntley last week and this week. But even the second half, he got warmed up. He played well against the Browns. Uh, down 14. Ravens make it interesting. Go for two again like they did against the Steelers and do not get it. Well, what I don't get is if you're going to go for two to try to win it at the end, why don't you go for two down 14? That's what every analytical metric will tell you to do. When you're down 14, you go for two the first time. That way, if you get it, you only need the extra point the next time around. And if you don't get right. it, it's like, all right, we're down eight. We can go for two and try to tie it up. And Harbaugh last week gave some great speech on why he went for, for two points down 15 against the Browns, basically saying that you want the information ahead of time to know whether you're going to be down nine or down seven. This week, he doesn't even listen to his own advice and kicks the extra point, and then they don't get the two-point conversion, and they don't have the chance to make up for it later. So I don't understand what they did there, though. I'll tell you why. So you're supposed to do it really in like when you're like in three minutes or need a guard, you need like the onside kick. In this situation, I think it was unwise to go for it because the Packers still had one timeout and 40 seconds and Aaron Rodgers. So you're not really going for the win. Like the Steelers game in the final seconds when you score a touchdown, yeah, you're going for the win, right? In this case, you're going for the lead, and that is why I do not agree with that decision. Um, also, to your point, there was so much time when they scored that first touchdown that you don't know if that's how it's all going to play out because you might score with 40 seconds left and want to kick an extra point just to tie the game because of Rodgers. Also, there's a chance like Rodgers down or up six instead of eight may not be as or six instead of seven may not be as vanilla on offense, trusting the run right away. There's all sorts of things. I just didn't think it was a very wise decision. They did not go for the win. They went for the lead. And that is important to keep that in mind. I didn't uh, really now. have a strong take on whether they should go for two at the end or not. I just think that if you're going to go for two at the end, why don't you do for it for the first time? I totally get your point that, you know, the Packers are going to try to score there, try to win the game if they're down by one. But to me, you're the you're the you're the worst. You're the lesser team in this matchup. Your offense is probably the better unit in that game compared to the defense. If you think you got one chance to win it right there, I kind of get it. I don't think it's a bad decision one way or the other. Whether it whether he kicked the extra point or gone for two, I wouldn't be uh, criticizing him. I just criticize him for not going for two down four down to fourteen. Copy. All right, Jets and Dolphins. I was on the mammals laying nine and a half. They dug themselves a hole, then came back up seven with the ball, and then Tua. Uh, botches it, and I thought they were going to get that touchdown, or excuse me, at least a field goal to go up 10. They did not pick six, lay, then later pick six for the Jets, and uh, your New York team was a little frisky today. The Dolphins are, I, I don't understand the Dolphins. The Dolphins should have blown out this Jets team, but they I'm just, aware. They, they gave the Jets so many chances in this game. They, they went for a fake punt on in the fourth I don't quarter. think it was a called fake punt. I, I, think I don't know what it was. It was Flores was not ball. looking like he had called that thing. I, I think you're right, but it was just strange to watch. And they could have gotten, they could have run the ball on fourth and one from any point in the field. The Jets had no answer for the Dolphins running game, which was led by Duke Johnson, who had barely played in the NFL all year. It's the second game all year he's played for them. 
It seemed like they wanted to give uh, Duke Johnson some touchdowns in his home ballpark. In fact, if you look at uh, the Jets' first touchdown was by Braxton Berrios, who went to Miami. Duke Johnson scored two touchdowns. He went to Miami. So it seemed like uh, t- like the both teams wanted to give the Miami guys some touchdowns in their home stadiums. But Jets are now 4-10 and 10 against the spread. We're actually getting the cover this week, tied with Jacksonville for the worst mark in the NFL. Those teams, two teams will play each other next week. So major draft implications in that one, even if there's no real real life implications on that one with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Top two picks squaring up, but no juice will be behind that game. As for Miami, six straight win, but they didn't, didn't cover this time. They're the fourth team in NFL history to get back to 500 after a one and seven start. So Dolphins back in this playoff race. Yeah, they're not bad. To your point, I think when they get a little vanilla on offense, I don't think they trust Tua. So they have these a lot of these throws of the flat and very conservative. They don't throw the ball really downfield, but eventually that'll catch up with them against good teams. But you're right. Uh, they have won six straight, looking much better than they did when they started the year one and seven. Let's get to some better games. Steelers, Titans. <laughs> I thought Pittsburgh would start strong. They finished strong, outscored Tennessee 16 nothing in the second half. The defense stepping up. Uh, not a goal line stand, but a red zone stand at the end of the game. Uh, it was a close measurement, although I think if he got the first down, they would have challenged and realized the spot was way too favorable for Tennessee. He was about a solid half yard to a yard short. So they made it interesting. Got shades of the index card, I was thinking. Uh, as um, Sterator was in the booth for that. And basically, this is kind of what we thought. Pittsburgh kind of kitchen sink game and would bring it eventually kind of outgrind the Titans who are just so limited right now. I just can't believe you said, let's get to some better games. And you brought up the 19 to 13 game where neither team had any hope to do anything offensively. I mean, it it was, it was a, it was a close game. There were, there were some entertaining moments in the game. Was it a fun watch? I'm not totally sure about that, but I was on Pittsburgh in this game. So I I was pretty happy about that. I even mentioned last week on this pod, I like Pittsburgh as a home dog. The favorite actually flipped in this game with uh, Pittsburgh closing as the favorite. Kind of interesting because both of these teams have been really good as underdog, but really bad as favorites. So, I mean, not not that the spread really affects anything that way, but just funny looking at the trends that way. In fact, before this game, Pittsburgh had failed to cover nine straight games as a favorite, including the playoffs. So they snapped that streak. Tennessee had been five and one outright as a dog this year, but now they have two straight losses. Pittsburgh, every team in this uh, AFC North division now has six losses this year. And the Steelers. I don't know why I bet them before the game. I should just wait until late in the game and just bet them in the third quarter, bet them in the fourth quarter. In fact, if you look at them recently, they've outscored their opponents 81 to 37 in the fourth quarter in the last five games. And the first three quarters, they've been outscored 113 to 33. So they're scoring about two and a half times as many points in the fourth quarter of these games as they are in the first three quarters. I don't know what it is with this Steelers offense that they don't show up until late in these games. They, I, I, I tweeted earlier today that they kind of remind me of the Tim Tebow Broncos where I don't know how they're winning these games, but they just seem to linger around early in these games. Then late in the fourth quarter, they find a way to win and it seemed that way today again. Speaking of that first half, second half disparity, I believe four straight games Steelers have yet to score a touchdown in the first half. And here I am betting first half. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to a game that was very hyped. Just kidding. Titans, excuse me, Texans, Jaguars. The steam on the Jags thinking they get rid of Urban Meyer. The stench out of the building. Jags got some steam, which I never really understood because the roster still isn't good. And it closed six. It was open three and a half. Just remarkable. And then the Texans go wire to wire and Davis Mills looked okay. He looked a pretty, pretty decent game. 
I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before where the coach gets fired and the line moves two and a half points for them because everybody thinks they're going to be motivated with the coach being gone. You're right. That line closed at six. It was three and a half before Urban was fired. It was three when it opened. So, but Jacksonville is a favorite. You just can't trust them. Last 11 games is a favorite. They're two and nine outright. 0-3 the last two seasons, 0-2 this year, both against Houston and both double-digit losses. And as I mentioned earlier, Jacksonville now holds the number one pick in the NFL draft next year for the second straight year. As of now. As Correct, of yeah. now, we shall see. With that Jaguars-Jets game, we'll have a lot to do with that next week. Oh, yeah, well, A uh, game that I was watching, so I was on the second half under. Vic Fangio does not understand the concept of timeouts and game management. Oh, <laughs> Bengals win 15-10. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater taken to a nearby hospital. Drew Locke came in through a touchdown pass. The Bengals answers. That was the rapid fire back-to-back touchdowns near the end of the third quarter. But outside of that, it was field goals and punting and Vic Fangio looking confused on the sideline. Yeah, Vic Fangio calling timeout, literally costing his team 40 seconds in the final two minutes when your team's down by uh, a couple points. Not what you're looking for for a head coach there. I, I We talk about this every single week, but just hire a 13-year-old who knows Madden and maybe give him a little bit of extra uh, extra uh, teaching of the rule book to let him know about the 25-second clock and and timeouts when inju- when uh, there's injured players. Because, But it was just – I don't understand what Vic Fangio is doing, but – Betting on his unders is a continues to be a profitable move. 28 and 18 Vic Fangio under since he become the, uh, the Denver head coach Bengals are three and one outright in ATS as a road dog this year. It's their fewest points at a win in, in uh, seven years. And now the Bengals and Ravens eight and six on top of the AFC North Bengals host the Ravens next week. And the Browns and Steelers are on the road against green Bay and Kansas city. So next week, that Bengals Ravens game is going to be huge for that division. Yeah, there was talk of that was the thought process of sitting Lamar. You know, I mean, he probably could have played if it was a playoff game, but like the next week's game against the Bengals matters so much more. And since he's positioned themselves quite well, so good job by them. And they have a tough schedule the rest of the way, but they they were not favored according to FPI in any of their four remaining games. Get the win in Denver to start things off. So that's a step in the right direction. Packers-Ravens, we touched on that game. I was really impressed with Hunley, so I wanted to just kind of make sure, like he was, you know, all that preseason work that Harbaugh loves. Maybe it uh, actually does have some utility come regular season time. So Hunley was ready to rock, and he, the offense looked the same at times. I actually think it really hurt Lamar Jackson's MVP campaign if he was in the picture at all. Uh, that that was not good for him because just how clean Hunley ran that offense. But obviously, like I said earlier, four remaining games on the schedule. So that was, and we've already had two. So that was a light Sunday card for us, McKenzie. Yeah, it was, I saw we just uh, NFL research tweeted that's the fewest touchdowns on an NFL Sunday since I believe the 1970s. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the tweet as I'm talking right now. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, sorry. Since uh, fewest on an NFL Sunday with at least 10 games since 1994, according to NFL research. So, uh, yeah, it's, we're not used to a Sunday with this little action, but I'm glad you circled back to this Packers-Ravens game because I have a couple other nuggets on this game. That was the mention. game of the day, for sure. Oh, absolutely. That was the game of the day, and we only really talked about the Duke point conversion, but you're right. Tyler Huntley played really well for them in that game, and no matter what line you got on the Ravens you, or on the Packers, you lost. I mean, the look ahead on that was either Green Bay minus one and a half or Green Bay minus two. I heard some people that took that last week. That would have been ruined by the two-point conversion. The line opened Packers minus seven, went all the way down to four and a half, closed at nine. So 
there was a ton of line movement on this game. There were a ton of line movements at all these games with all the COVID issues, though. Some of them got uh, postponed uh, or moved back a couple of days. So that might affect uh, your bets on that. They might be voided on that. But it was the largest home underdog spot for the Ravens since 2015. And the Ravens under John Harbaugh continue to be really, really good as an underdog, especially recently. The last four years, so since they drafted Lamar Jackson, they are 13-1 and ATS as a dog. And you might say, hey, that's all Lamar Jackson. Well, They've been they've been dogs four times without Lamar in that span, and they covered all four of those times as well. So the Ravens, the dog under John Harbaugh, continue to be really good with their playoff chances. They dropped all the way to 54 percent, according to FPI. With a win, they would have been up to 87 percent. So you mentioned that benching Lamar because next week's game is more important. But for the Ravens, all these games are important because they need a lot of wins, because like I mentioned earlier, all four teams in that division have six losses right now. It's crazy. I'm just surprised the Steelers are still hanging around. Uh, I really am. Um, that win in Baltimore, obviously a huge, huge help to that. And then the win today. So Steelers, I just thought they were going to be left for dead after like how things started the first month or so. But I think think it's normal for a lot of those teams. Yeah. A lot of those teams (laughs) tie the lions, but a lot of teams are like that, right? Like a lot of, nobody is just straight dominance. And you look, look at the Kansas city. And obviously we can talk about them because they're, I mean, they're now the favorites. They've won seven straight covered, I believe five straight. And I don't even think they're that impressive. I mean, they got, they escaped. The game again, the win in LA. Now, nice win to win at the Chargers, but I mean, let's face it, it's not like their defense really clamped down. They got away with a lot. Absolutely, and and now the Chiefs after the Bucks lost, the Chiefs are now the Super Bowl favorites. Caesars has them plus four seventy five to win it all with the Bucks at five to one. I, I I don't know what team I would bank to win the Super Bowl right now, but I'm definitely not laying plus four seventy five chalk on anybody right now. Yeah, no chance. Although the AFC is just a hot mess right now, so maybe by default. Kansas City would be my pick, but that's just because they have the least warts. Like all these teams have warts for sure. Now, obviously, still kind of like Buffalo, but they're going to have a tougher road since they have to use the wild card run most likely. Though we'll see because they face New England next week. So if they win that one, they'll uh, have the tiebreaker in the AFC East because they'll have a better divisional record over New England. Yeah, they've just been so inconsistent, right? So inconsistent. Okay, bud. Anything else that we uh, left out? I know you emptied the bucket just now on the Packers Ravens game. Any of the others? Uh, I mean, I could even do a couple more on the Ravens. Like we, we talked about some of these teams that have been Jekyll and Hyde. The Ravens had all these games early in the year where they had about a 15, 20% win probability came back to win. And now it's kind of working out the other way. They're the first team in NFL history to lose three straight games by combined four points or fewer. They've lost by, by uh, two points once and then one point twice in the last three games. So been a real tough time for the Ravens. Now, granted, couple of those games, you know, they, they had no real business winning those games, including today, but still it's kind of crazy that they're, that they're coming so close in all these games. Uh, a couple quick notes for next week. Uh, Titans are home dogs, the 49ers, Tennessee's two and O outright as a home dog next week. Browns are getting seven and a half against green Bay. That's the largest underdog spot for Cleveland this, this year. Kind of like the green Bay in that one, if I'm being honest, especially with Cleveland down a short week and uh, with their potential COVID issues. I mentioned the Cardinals and the Colts. That Ravens Bengals line right now is Bengals two and a half at home. The Bills Patriots look ahead line, or really the opening line right now is uh, Patriots minus one and a half in New England. The Bills are 15, eight and one ATS is a dog with Josh Allen. And then the Steelers Chiefs game I mentioned earlier, Steelers getting 10 and a half right now. That would match the most points Big Ben has ever gotten as an underdog in his career. Wow. Wow. All right, my man. Good stuff as always. Uh, abbreviated week for Daily Wager just to show on Tuesday the 21st. And then the next Sunday we have uh, some programming 
jumping through hoops, things like that. You guys know how it is around the holidays. We'll have a podcast schedule and have you, uh, you know, still be connected to our loyal audience. But uh, best of luck on these Monday and Tuesday games. A couple doubleheaders. Well, one's a doubleheader and the other's a singleheader, I guess, because they're both at the same time on Tuesday. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> we'll figure that out. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to uh, hit, hit workshop that term. But uh, best of luck to everyone and thanks so much.